Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Boy, I'll tell you, this time of year, you know, the the Flyers season wraps up, and you know, I think a lot of us kind of share the same feelings sometimes. Like at, after 82 games of whatever the hell they give us, I just kind of go, shit, man. Do I even like hockey? Like, do I need to find something else to do? Do I now despise, like, the thing that I've built half my life around? (laughs) And then I watch just a couple of playoff games and go, ah, fuck. Everything's cool. I don't hate hockey. I hate the Flyers. Uh, But... Hate is not hate, as we know, is not the opposite of love. It's Correct. it's only just a few steps away from it. In fact, they just make you so nuts that you you think you hate them. But watching this all unfold, and we're not even through the first round yet. Goddamn, can we just? I miss it so bad. I know, you know, as as spoiled brats of of teams that you know go to the Super Bowl regularly now and. You know, a Sixers team that wins 50 games every year. Phil's team that just made a, a World Series run, we can say. Oh, well, you know, if if you're just going to be the last wild card seed, what does it even matter? No, I miss this shit so much. I, I realize, like, missing the playoffs this year, that was good. Doing this for a couple more seasons is really going to suck, because the playoffs are so much goddamn fun, and I want to talk about them today. But first, let's get into the introductions, leading off with the fly-by-herself, Kelly Hinkle. It's nice to know that my pals are also having existential crises (laughs) the last couple of weeks. Mine aren't fully related to the Flyers, but, you know, we're all doing our best. Um, Yeah, the playoffs are fun. I am finding myself... Fully after that come from behind win against Tampa the other night, I'm fully shifting into Leafs mode. Kelly, it's, I am uh, I am shocked that you finally got we, all in on the playoffs when the Leafs did something <laughs> good. I'm shocked that that was the moment. First of all, I am, I wasn't all in on the playoffs. I was all in on the playoffs, but I hadn't really, you know, fully sat my entire ass onto a bandwagon seat. I was kind of like. You know, the cheeks were spread amongst several seats. This is a really weird analogy. Anyway, um, I think I'm fully, I think I'm fully on the Leafs bandwagon now because they're fun and I like fun. I gotta, I gotta tell you, we're gonna talk about the playoffs in just a couple minutes. I would like to see. I really appreciated what Charlie said last week. He's rooting for the Lightning in round one, 
And then if the Leafs actually do it, he'll root for the Leafs after that. Yeah. Um. Uh, now that Toronto's up three one. I mean, the <laughs> most entertaining. Tonight, it's gonna be so good. <laughs> the most entertaining thing that can happen in these whole playoffs is the Lightning win three in a row. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Nothing will compare to that. I there are no losers. There's, no, there's yeah. no way to lose this series. Like either, either we see a really good young, talented team take the next step and go on a playoff run. Or we see the funniest fucking meltdown in the history of the sport, and I, like I gotta tell you guys, I, I, I can't exactly, I can't call it. Which <laughs> I want to see more. I think Charlie O'Connor could probably. I think he knows what he would like to see more. Oh, I definitely. I mean, it would be <laughs> utterly hilarious if they blew this. That said, it felt like the it was 4-1 thing happening in reverse was a turning point. Like, it really did feel as if that was the moment when the Leafs finally certainly did not exercise all of their their demons, but they exercised at least that one demon because that has been such a good meme on social media. Like, that was, we're talking about nearly a decade ago or maybe that was over forever a ago. ago that was so long it feels ago. like five seconds ago i don't understand what life is anymore yeah that's that's how their fucking 4-1 leaf felt <laughs> 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 no but i gotta tell you as unhinged we have a lot of fun at the extent uh, at the expense of the leafs fan base i tweeted this the other night though they are fully within their like rights to be as unhinged as they are that fan base because oh, I got it not even the lack of success shout out Sammy Kapanen and his curse uh but every single playoff game of theirs is fucking madness mm-hmm. like, I cannot I swear them coming back the other night was the least surprising thing I've ever seen because that shit happens in every single one of their playoff games that isn't some sort of blowout one way or the other, apparently. Like, does this not happen, like, three times a, a year every time the Leafs are in the play? Like, oh, yeah, someone was up three, and then now they're not. Like, I swear every one of their playoff games is absolutely bonkers. If, the, like, I, we always compl- compare the Leafs to the Eagles because that's what it is. It's like if the Eagles Super Bowl, where they're up 10 on the Chiefs, that's every game they play. That's the comparison. I mean, Bill, the Eagles did lose in the NFC Championship game three straight years. This has And we're degenerate degenerate (laughs) maniacs. We've been to two Super Bowls since then, and we're still like... Gonna gonna throw hot dogs because the Phillies lose on a Tuesday. (laughs) So here's the thing about that concept of... Toronto fans, I can understand why they're this unhinged. See, I think there's a little problem there with cause and effect, where what I think is actually going on is that Toronto fans are unhinged and have always been unhinged, and all of this chaos is their karmic punishment for being that unhinged and crazy. Charlie hates the... So, like, I mean, then to follow through, to follow through with the with the comparison... Are you saying we as Philadelphians have brought much of this upon ourselves? I'm not yes. not saying that. <laughs> so here's the thing. Everyone, like a lot of Flyers fans that I know absolutely hate Leafs fans. 
The reasons being, we, they the they same. never shut up. They're too annoying. Exactly. That's my point. Yes. Like, if they win, they're going to be so insufferable. Cockier distraught. Like, yeah, the the other day, Otherville was like, oh, we, I can't root for the Leafs because if they win, their fans are going to be insufferable. Like, what would we be like if the Flyers won a Stanley Cup? Insufferable. Fucking insufferable. We talked, we talked shit to the New England Patriots who won <laughs> the year before yeah, and then the year after. Yeah, <laughs> and we we're like, can't. yeah, but Brady dropped it, bitch. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> like we're insane. The level of insufferable for Flyers fans will be off the fucking charts if this team uh, is ever good again. No, you, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm gonna die if the Flyers win the Stanley Cup. Like, there's a chance, like. You'll have to fire me gonna... from this podcast because I will be so annoying. <laughs> I, I. It'll be an episode of Always Sunny where Bill goes out to celebrate on Broad Street and doesn't come back. Like, that's... <laughs> where the fuck did he go? No, like, just never heard from him again. I don't know. Uh, I saw him climb a pole, and that was it. He flew away. I don't know. Like... <laughs> oh, God. So, go Leafs, go. Yeah, go Leafs, uh, go. Really, really pulling for you here. One way or another, it's going to be great. Because their team is really fucking good. Like, that's what's lost in in all of this is they're like, what's lost in all of it is they've been good for a while. And like, this team's awesome. They have so many good players. They just keep acquiring more somehow. I don't, that's the Flyers have been in cap hell for, I don't know, 15 seasons. And the Leafs are just like, yeah, we got like our whole cap tied up in four guys. And we just got Ryan O'Reilly too. I don't know. Good luck. Who knows? (laughs) But Let's get into some flyer shit, and we'll come back to the playoffs. Uh, I, I did. I did everyone. In, everyone's intros, right? Um, yeah. No. 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 Steph. So we've done the intros. Um, who's Who's going to be the president of hockey operations? Like your mom. Is there a good? Is there a like right answer to this question? Like what type of candidate it should be? You know, it, it's a fascinating question. From my perspective, because I so I'm in the midst of doing my mailbag. I now do it in two parts because I've been told I need to write more articles. So rather than write one four thousand word article, <laughs> oh, I'll just write yes, two thousand word articles. You know what? Beautiful. That's how it goes. Oh, that's genius. But anyway, and someone asked me, "Who would you hire for president of hockey operations?" And my answer was like, I can't really answer that question because if you put me in charge, I would hire Eric Tolsky to be the GM, which is what they're not going to do. So, like, that would change the entire... Like, you're asking me, who would I hire as president of hockey operations operating under the assumption that Danny Breer is going to be the GM because he is? The thing is, I would not do that. So, it's hard for me to be, like, to answer the question of, what would you do if you were in charge, when if I was in charge, I would not be doing what they are already doing. Now, if... I was asked to hire a president of hockey operations under this framework with Danny Briere as GM and John Tortorella as coach. I probably like Doug Wilson the most because I think it would really help. I I am legitimately worried about the fact that Danny Briere has next to no experience in actual positions of authority in a front office. And I would like someone else to fill out the triumvirate that they want to build who number one, has done it, and number two, has done a good job at it. And I think Doug Wilson is, like, the only guy who I see out there that I am sure, like, 
is actually good at being a GM that could potentially be interested in this job. So under this framework, I like the Doug Wilson possibility the most. However, if you ask me what would I do if I was in charge, I would have I would bump Danny back down to assistant GM, hire Tulski, and then find a president of hockey operations that I think would work well with Tulski. But like mm-hmm. they're not going to do that. So that's why it's it's hard for me to look at this as a, you know, what would I do if I was in charge? Because they're already not doing what I would do if I was in charge. Yeah, and like... Yeah, I mean... Okay. I was just going to say, like, as much as I would like to hire, like, another, you know, interesting, young, forward-thinking person for this role, Charlie does make a good point that with Danny Briere having zero experience actually doing any of this, he probably does need someone... That has it. Now, that said, the Flyers need to avoid falling into the trap of, you know, experience just being like having done the job because they seem to to be fine hiring people who have done X job before where they have fallen short time and time again is hiring dudes that have done the job well before. So that would be nice. Like, for example, yeah, everyone, like, they keep talking about Fred Shiro. Fred Shiro. Ray Shiro. Um, R.I.P. Fred. Yeah, sorry. You're dead. Um, And, like, he, like, he didn't, he didn't do a good job. There was a, a good team assembled after he left. And, like, he somehow, in the minds of, like, it seems like Flyers media that aren't Charlie, um, somehow getting credit for those good teams. And that is the thing that scares me because it was, you know, it was an after he left, they were good. I think his last name Smith, would he be on the radar? Yeah, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Would they even be considering him if he wasn't a Shiro? And probably not. Like, that gets back to my whole fucking... Yeah. Like, you're only... only, They purposefully shrink the pool based on people we know. Yeah, people and we that, know. And that annoys the shit yeah. out of me. I, what I'll uh, say about phone Shiro number is already in my phone. So what, he's I'll, what I'll say about Shiro is I think Shiro did a good job with Pittsburgh. Now, granted, that was a while. I don't think he did like an amazing job because they spotted him, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Like mm-hmm. that's a big help. However, as we've seen. Just having a couple superstars isn't enough to win titles because you can fuck that up in a big way. Cough, cough, the Edmonton Oilers for years. So I think Shiro did a good job in Pittsburgh. I would not be crushed if Shiro was the guy that said he's got to answer a lot of questions for me in terms of like, are you actually going to be an independent voice or are you just going to be the mouthpiece of Bob Clark, Paul Holmgren, and Bill Barber because you talk to them on the phone constantly and then you your your input is their input. I think that's, yeah, that's got to be a fair question that should be right, asked. Right, because you're excising those guys and he's almost certainly buddies with them. Like, almost certainly pals. Almost certainly will take Bob Clark's and- phone calls. So... You know, that's my issue with the whole experience thing is they're not gonna like I'd almost rather the brand new fucking guy who has no idea because it's gonna be experience of people who 
the experiences of people who agree with the ones who we're trying to get rid of anyway. Yeah. Like, even if they don't talk to Bob Clark every day, it's going to be someone who thinks the way he does, so it doesn't really matter uh, whether, like, he's still around or not. I... <sighs> the experience thing, I suppose, is... Like, an unknown. Uh, it is a red flag. But, I... Man, Chuck Fletcher had experience. Yeah, he had experience yeah. never getting out of the second round. So, like, what did it matter? Like, his experience was nothing. I think my view of it, in a, in the in like, in isolation, I would prefer the president of hockey operations to have general managing experience, not because I feel like experience is essential and like you got to be experienced. But I just think that like like I'm less concerned about Briere in terms of him evaluating players like either he's going to be good at that or he's not whatever we'll yeah. see pretty quick mm-hmm. whether he knows if good players are good and bad players are bad what i'm more concerned about is like there's elements of this job that experience does help in in the sense of like how do you negotiate with agents how do you negotiate trades like those are the kinds of things that you do get better in the more you do and if you've never done it before you could get taken to the cleaners because you're not used to it and that's where i would see the value in having someone else in that group that has done that that briere can go to and be like hey this agent is using this tactic should i cave should i you know hold on to my position for another week? Like, do you think he's going to cave? And, like, that's where I see the value. That said, and this is where, like, while my preference would be to get an experienced GM-type person to be president of hockey operations, I do acknowledge that there is a concern here where if you were to get a guy like that, and it's got to be a guy because there's only been GMs that have been guys before, if it's that type of hire... Mm -hmm. is that guy going to try to overshadow Briere? Now, yeah. you might think that's not a bad thing if you don't trust Briere, but I get the sense that the Flyers want to kind of give Danny the keys. They think Danny is this brilliant up-and-coming GM, and if you were to hire a Shiro or a Doug Wilson, will those guys allow Briere to be Briere, or will they only take the job if they actually have, you know, if this is like a Dave Dombrowski situation where like, yeah, Sam Fold's the GM of the Phillies, but everybody knows Dave runs the freaking yeah. show. So, Nobody talks about him at all. Yeah, like he's I the didn't GM even know he in existed. Name. Exactly. I thought Dombrowski was the GM. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I could understand if they look at this and they say, you know what? We're all in on Danny. Danny's our guy, so let's get someone who isn't that experienced, who can just be an advisor to Danny and is okay being an advisor to Danny, rather than someone who, because they've been a GM for 10 plus years, is going to want to basically be the de facto GM here. I I would get that. So another thing that the Flyers always do that it would be cool if they maybe thought about stepping away from is like... I feel like they only hire dudes that have been fired from someplace else, like guys that are available on the market. They never seem to poach good people from other front offices. And, like, they could if they wanted to, right? Like, they could ask to speak to some AGM someplace and see if maybe that person wants to step into a a president's role. Like, why not 
see if anybody in Tampa wants to move or if anyone in Toronto wants to move or if anybody in Carolina, I know it's not going to be Eric, if anybody there, like, look at a good team that is good, that has been good for a stretch and be like, hey, think any of these guys want to raise? Like, do we mind? Like, don't you have to, like, give something if you poach a guy? Isn't that a thing? Like, a pick or something? If it's a a promotion, like, I know how it works in other sports. It's just like, yeah, like, yeah, if he's like an assistant GM and you're like, we're going to make you the general manager, like, no, you, president. I'm talking yeah, about the president. You, what, what, what I, I just mean, is, like, some yeah. sort of promotion. Yeah. What I think it is, is usually if, because it's hockey, usually right. if, like, you go to another team and offer the assistant GM the GM job, that team isn't going to be like, oh, well, we're not going to let him leave because fuck you. Like, they're going to be like, no, good for you. I'm glad you got the job. That said, like, if you're trying to poach another team's coach, then, yeah, they're going to be like, give us a draft pick. He's under contract. Right, right, right. But I don't know. I I would like to see them step outside their their general mold of hiring people because it hasn't worked, uh, like, my entire life. Do we uh do we think there's any chance that Danny actually becomes president and then they hire a different GM? I haven't heard any in- any indication that yeah. they are interviewing for the GM job. I guess as I've said, I guess it's possible that they could interview someone ostensibly for the president of hockey operations job to say to themselves we need this person and they don't make sense as a president of hockey operations so let's rethink how we want this structure i guess that could happen but all the rumblings i hear are that they are interviewing for the president job not for the gm job which again just stands as even more evidence that like danny's getting the gm job yeah, I don't even know uh, why that, we're fucking with this interim thing. It's, yeah, you know. that's the, like the fact that they haven't. Maybe they just want the president to act, to say it. Like, okay, I think, he's, I think he's they want to G- announce I, both at the same. I time. don't know. I think that's what it boils mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Uh, so th- we did have a question last week. We did the mailbag. Uh, we didn't get to all of them, and we're gonna get to some of them today. And heavy edit podcasts. One of uh, one of our pals on uh, f- on I almost said Facebook. I haven't used Facebook in like ten years. Yeah. On Twitter. Uh, they asked if maybe Danny could get the GM, and they asked specifically if Eric would become the GM. But uh, whatever, we know that's not going to happen because nah. you know Dream's he's dead, not fam. part of that team. Um, but they also asked about Barry Hanrahan, and this is something I wanted to get to last week, and we did. Interesting question. Um, uh, who? Who? Uh, this is. I mean, the first part I directed to Charlie. I would assume. Who is Barry? That's that's from Bill and How Sewell. dare you and assume? I who, don't know who everything is Barry about and Barry ha- Hanrahan. Who is ba- Hanrahan? Uh, no. <laughs> the only thing I know about him is he's got a cool that's, name. That's it. That's it. The only <laughs> thing I know is his last name is in Slapshot. Who is Barry Hanrahan? Yeah. yeah, he's so Barry's interesting because he's been around for multiple regimes. He has yeah. stuck around for a while. And I mean, I like I've talked to him. He seems like a good dude. Um, I can't speak to his expertise. Obviously, I'm not in the room. Clearly, he's good enough at his job to convince multiple GMs that he should stay in that job. Now, his primary role is he's basically the cap guy. So, and not in the sense of... Oh, good! We should keep him around! Let's not promote him. So this is the argument, I guess, in favor (laughs) of him. He's not necessarily the guy who, who is, like... 
choosing whether they're going to give $5.1 million to Rasmus Alainen. He's the guy who, like, the GM comes to and says, I want this guy. What? Can, how can we make this work under the cap? And he's the guy who, like, will determine, like, bonuses and be working with Bill Daly in the league office about, you know, okay, how much are we over the cap? What does that mean? Like, he's, like, the logistical legal guy who deals with all of the cap gymnastics and whatnot. That is Barry's primary role. That's what he does. Now, whether he stays in that role in the new regime, like, to me, Barry Hanrahan is the kind of guy who, like— I, I don't have any inside information of this one way or other, but like, he's the kind of guy who I could see getting pushed out in this whole thing. Because mm. the fact of the matter is, is that he's been around for a while, the team hasn't been good managing the cap for a while, and you're going to have a new president of hockey operations who might want to bring in new people to be assistant general manager to Danny Briere. Maybe Barry doesn't stick around. Like I'm not sure. But he strikes me as somebody like, Guys like him, guys like Brent Flair. Like, I think Danny Breer likes Brent Flair, but maybe they want to shake up the whole organization and maybe Brent Flair after the draft because they're going to at least keep him through the draft because he's done all this research. At the very least, you don't want him unemployed telling every team in the league who the Flyers want. So you're <laughs> you're keeping him through the draft even if you decide you're cutting ties. And I don't think they've decided that. It's just that it's a possibility because these are all people that are holdovers from previous regimes, and now there's going to be new sheriffs in town, and we'll see how it goes. But Hatterhan's been around for a while. He's primarily the cap guy. We'll see what happens when they restructure everything if he survives. To be quite honest with you, cutting ties with someone who's been – a part of this front office for a long time and has been handling an extremely poorly managed salary cap, like probably is maybe a guy like I'm not saying all of this is his fault. He's like, obviously not the guy making the decisions. However, I'm not sure you could look at the situation and say he did a good job. Like, unless he's literally just like on a calculator, like, well, We've got 1.75 million. Like, I don't, is that like what he's doing? If that's all he's doing, fine. I've got no problem with him. But if he's involved in managing the cap, I can't think of one thing that the Flyers have been worse at doing. So perhaps cutting ties with Barry is a good good idea. Like picking goalies, like (laughs) sticking with a plan and... I don't know, managing the salary cap a little bit. Like, it was like us in Boston with, like, the penalties this year, right? Like, Boston, the best team in the history of the NHL, and the Flyers are the ones that fucked their cap this season. Cool. (laughs) Doing great, I just, I just picture that guy, like, you know, he's... He, he thinks his day is just about over. He's wrapping up. And then he gets a knock on the door and it's Chuck Fletcher. It's like, yeah, so I'm going to I'm gonna give Travis Sanheim eight years. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> his it's fucking like, house 30. of cards. <laughs> like his house of cards just comes tumbling down. He's no, but, but uh, JVR comes off the books after this year. We're going to have some cap space. Chuck's just like, sorry, sorry, you're gonna have to cancel that vacation. <laughs> it's he's just trying to go home. He's trying to duck out a little early so he doesn't get asked to work over the weekend, like office space. And he's like, no, 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 your whole fucking weekend's ruined, pal. Uh, let's let's figure out an extension for for our two most disappointing defensemen. Um, oh my god. So, like, I didn't know that he was the AGM in 06. Like, when all the changes happened and, and uh, 
well, God damn it. I'm blacking oh, when, on his when, name. When Clark. Clark, Clark steps down and who became yeah. our goddamn G- Holmgren. Holmgren. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was he was Holmgren's assistant. You yeah. know, that's uh, he's been around for fucking ever. He's been he's been part of the organization for literally decades. Um he actually so one of the things that happened with him which honestly it's kind of cool and it's it's very it's very old school Flyers thing. So basically what happened with Barry was that he was part of the organization as a young guy, pre-salary cap. Then they do the new CBA, they institute a salary cap, and Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren realize very quickly that, like, oh, shit, this is something we have to learn because we, like, this is not us. We don't know this shit. So basically Barry, what they, they did is they learn. went to Barry Hanrahan and were like, we will pay for you to go through law school so that you can be our cap guy. And that's basically what happened. God bless. The fact that is kind of, that's kind of nice. Yeah, it's great. It's just like, I, and then there was a salary cap and the game got faster and Bob Clark decided, yeah, no, how do? do we stop? How do we stop <laughs> this? We stopped this with Darian Hatcher Mike Ratchie and Chris Tarian. Oh, that's how Mike we did, and and that's been the fucking d- d- direction of the organization ever since. Uh, and Barry Hanrahan's just sitting there like, oh, these fools. I don't know. I'm supposed to figure out the salary cap for them. <laughs> no matter what I figure out, they're just gonna fuck it up anyway. Uh, I, we did get a good question about the uh, the president and the interview process last week from Jacob Moore. And it was, uh, what three questions would you ask if you were interviewing the president uh, of Hockey Ops candidates for the Flyers? And I just have three that I'll start with. Mm. Um, Why are the best teams the best teams? What makes them what they are? How can we become one of them? And what's stopping us from being one of them beyond on ice? Like, really? What the fuck is the matter with us? And this is a great internal option question, too. Like, if a Barry Hanrahan, say, wanted to move up in this organization and be the president, be like, here's your chance. Tell us what we've been fucking up. Because I badly need someone who's going to speak truth to power here in yeah. this in this president of hockey ops role. The person who's going to tell the GM, no, that pet project that you're obsessed with, a.k.a. your white whale, Rasmus Ristolainen, he fucking stinks. This is dumb. Or tell someone, whoever at Comcast, and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Please let us enact our vision here. Like, whatever it is, I need someone who's going to be truthful in that regard. Do you have any questions that you would add to this uh, to this proceedings? Those are really good questions, William. Yeah, I would probably want to have something, because I like that idea of yours, <clears throat> more or less about trying to gauge whether they have the backbone to disagree strongly with the consensus like the the head coach is going to kick in the door some days you got to tell him the fuck off yeah like i want to get a read on whether this person is just going to be a fly on the wall in these meetings or if this person and i'm not saying like i don't i don't necessarily want this person to be vetoing danny briere if danny briere is gm he's gm you know I, i want his vision but i also want someone who will have the guts to tell him that thing you want to do is dumb yeah and 
like actually have a backbone rather than just rubber stamp everything. I I, I do want that. Um, I'm trying to think what else I would what else I would want to ask the person. Do we do we think that this person needs to find value in analytics? Because as we know, the Flyers have a pretty robust analytics department. I think it's also pretty clear that no one listens to them at all. So, like, <laughs> is it important that this person be the kind of person that could, you know, be someone in the room who did, in fact, know that Tony D'Angelo was bad at defense because, like, you could know that by looking at things. So, so yes, and my, that's preference, like... my preference would be yes. That said, <clears throat> you know what I think to me is actually really important about this president of hockey operations position, whoever, whoever gets it? I want someone, and this goes back to an issue that Bill has with the Flyers, that I have with the Flyers. I want someone... And I'm not, I'm not even talking about players, though obviously this plays into it because it's this idea of undervalued talent. I want someone who is going to mine areas and places and types of people that don't usually get brought in. I want mm. new voices. Like, I, I, I talked about this in my mailbag. You had the Carolina Hurricanes, and I know I talk about the Hurricanes all the time, but, like, they legitimately, they run their team the way I would run a team. They hire pro scouts and amateur scouts that don't have a ton of amateur scout experience. They're just smart people like Ellen Etchingham, who was one of the best bloggers in hockey in the early 2010s. They hired her as I believe an amateur scout or no, it was a pro scout. And it was because they interviewed her and they're like, you know what? These are the kind of people who I want their voices in the room because yeah. they're going to bring a fresh perspective that a bunch of 60-year-old former players are not going to bring. And I would like to know that my president of hockey operations is going to hire. And I'm and like, it's just, I want new voices in the room. I don't want it just to be freaking groupthink that allows everyone to convince themselves that actually all we need to do is get a little bit tougher and a little bit harder to play against and suddenly everything's going to be fixed. Like, I want people who came up from blogging. I want people who, you know what, maybe don't even necessarily know hockey that well, but they're friggin' brilliant analysts. Like, bring in some new voices and let's see if the that new group can come up with better solutions than a bunch of old hockey men have been able to do for the last yeah. 40 years. I do think the... And like, I'm not saying don't have guys, old hockey men. Like, have yeah, them too. No. But have other people. Yeah. Have other, like, that's, I think one of the, um, Charlie and I both referenced the movie Moneyball a lot. We both love it. And Charlie, I was honestly watching it recently, and I gotta tell you, I feel bad for, like, the old school baseball guys in that room who are just made to look like fucking, bu like, befuddled fools, because <laughs> while, like, no, while Billy Bean and the whole analytics thing, like, they did find some value on the margins, like... Those old school baseball guys who are like, well, he's got an ugly girlfriend, so he's got no confidence, and they just make <laughs> them look like assholes. Like, they did find him, like, Miguel Tejada and that fucking awesome pitching staff. Yeah, like, all yeah. the actual stars of oh, that team. Sure. They, sure. like, they just no. don't talk about them in the movie. Well, the thing but, is, like, like... To the point, you need, you need a much more robust, diverse room than just guy who played for the Flyers in the 80s. Like, you need right. more than that. 
Right. No, there is a place for the hockey guys. It's yes. Just, there needs to be more than. And I think it's important to point that out because I think a lot of people think that you have to be one or the other. And like you absolutely yeah, no. don't. Like there is value in a guy that has done a thing for 50 years and is an expert at it and was one of the best in the entire world to do it. Like there's absolutely value in the old hockey men. It's just that you need new hockey men too, hockey people too, so that you can have a variety of opinions and we can figure shit out. Like it just can't be one or the other. A room full of nerds would be bad too. Once again, like resume should be has successfully like, I don't know how you do it, but like eight of the fucking 15 last fourth round picks that we've had that actually played a game in the NHL, this guy identified, not, oh, well, this guy played for the Flyers in 1984, huh? Huh? Like, the, the, the resume of the hockey man should matter, not like ties to the organization. Yeah. And it, that's I, I just, just something we have an issue with with the yeah. organization. Top to bottom, we go over it yeah. all the time. I just think that the Flyers, and we've talked about this, as you said, that they limit themselves by looking mostly at people we know. I would like a president of hockey operations that widens the hiring pool, not just to people in the game we don't know, but people that aren't even in the game. Because I think this organization is in desperate need of actual outside voices who aren't steeped in not just Flyers group think, but hockey group think. And I got to tell you, Flyers, <laughs> I'm available. You know? <laughs> I'm I, just saying. I, no, I could, I do believe I could do the job of give me $1 million a year to tell you no, that's stupid four times. Like, <laughs> I could easily do that, but if if you're looking if you're looking for a voice of of the people who are really into this organization, I'm plugged in, guys. And my rates are well. I'll be working for Comcast, so I won't be cutting you a break. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, I probably will ask for less than Chuck Fletcher. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just saying. Um, this is something that's come up, and we joked about it last week, and I don't think we ever actually got to it. And it's it's a question that's come up somewhat in jest, and maybe it's been proposed seriously by others, but I, I, I want to get to it because it's very funny. Um, what if the Flyers get Bedard? How does that affect their rebuild? Is it too early for that Who type of talent say? in the rebuild? <laughs> now, the thing A lot of being, people are saying... It's too soon. The thinking being that if Bedard is a star right away, and maybe he's not, you know, Connor McDavid year one, but say he is a Giroux in the year he should have won MVP level talent his rookie season, that will mean the Flyers look at the thing and go, well, fuck rebuilding. Time to buy again. Yes, correct. That is accurate. Absolutely 100%. That's that's not... The fact that that might happen is not bad. <laughs> like because we we've, we've talked about this. The Flyers are in a very odd spot to me. Like their young guys are not 18, 19, 20. Yeah, yeah. They're no. 24. Yeah. So like this rebuild thing, if we're going to do it with the people already here, they're going to have to buy at some point. This isn't going to be homegrown fucking talent top to bottom. They right. need to figure out how to clear the cap space to do it, but 
this that would be i mean best case scenario right you can't it's not i mean obviously question it's not it's fucking stupid like i just mean like no situation in which getting a a small child that has the actual possibility to be one of like the top five players to ever in history play hockey um don't know how you frame it in a bad way in any sense of the word even if and he's 17 so even if the flyers can't get their shit together for like five years he's still (laughs) fucking 22 like there's no there's no uh, there's no like "Mm, well maybe if we get one maybe we just trade down and take some what the fuck are you on about like no you get the best imagine imagine if they won the lottery now, if they won the lottery and traded down, like, that would be, like, legitimate, not, oh, my Joker moment. Like, no, I'd probably paint my face and go to Voorhees and, like, become um, an errorist, let's say. <laughs> not, I, didn't, I didn't say the full word. You didn't say it. Don't ban us. No, but, like, that would be, I, I, I would stop following the team. You would, the director of Fun and Games would not be on the show. No. So here's why this idea is as dumb as it as it actually is. <laughs> Please tell us, Charles. <laughs> because the, if you look at the Flyers roster, they have the depth. Like yes, they ha- we've got a middle. Babe. They have. We just need a they one. have the middle. The problem with where they're at right now is that they don't have any high-end players and they don't have any clear path to high-end players unless they get lucky. So if they get lucky (laughs) and they get those high-end players, then suddenly the problem is gone. They got the guys. Then it's like, okay, if you have Bedard, if you have Gautier, then like, look, would would I still believe they need a couple more? Yes. Would I still think that, like, it probably makes sense from a long-term perspective to trade Travis Konechny rather than give him an $8 million a year contract based on the the points he's going to put up? Yes. But would I say that, well, now the idea of trading Carter Hart's real fucking stupid? Yes, I would absolutely say that. because That's the one thing. That's the first thing I thought was like that Carter Hart conundrum is over. It's not a conundrum. You're like, anymore. okay, you're yeah. you're here to stay. We're giving you an extension as soon as we can. Yeah. Like like you get let's let's say you get Bedard. Let's here here would be my ideal way this Or Fantilli. Out. Let's say you would, get are, is yeah. Fantilli same. Yeah, I mean not, the... not quite on the level, but like yes, I think he is a a one C star level player. Yes. It's still the same boat. Let's say you get one okay. of those two. Gautier isn't signing, so you're not going to have him next year. I think the Flyers would still be bad next year. They will be not as bad as this year. I still think they are top 12 level, you know, in the draft type of team next season. And guess what? That's good. Because then you get another guy. And then suddenly, you know... Maybe you pick up another draft, another first round draft pick because you trade Travis Connecting, so you get a little bit worse for next year. But then you have three first round draft picks for 2024, in addition to getting Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli, in addition to having Cutter Gauthier coming the following year. Suddenly, you're in a position where, like, you could actually fix this pretty quick. You, pr- you, you need to remake the defense. That, that suddenly becomes the key. But guess what? Then, 
you've got draft picks where you could do that in terms of a trade. You could take somebody next year in the top 12 who could be a legitimate top pair defenseman. Then this is fixable in two, three years. So, like, the whole, the whole point of this is the Flyers need high-end talent. If they then get the high-end talent, like, yes, it changes the— the, it cha- changes the timeline of the rebuild, but it should because the whole problem with the rebuild is they don't have a clear path to high-end talent, and that's why the rebuild might not work. If you get the high-end talent, then that problem is no longer a problem. To Charlie's point, um, while the Penguins, you know, somehow had all the fucking lottery luck in the goddamn world during the lockout, basically— that first year out of the lockout with now it's, you know, 18-year-old Crosby, but he had 102 points as a rookie. Uh, they win 22 games and end <laughs> up with the second pick the next year. That's when they get Jordan Stahl, and then that's when suddenly their run begins that yeah. next year. So, like, exactly. it's it, it, that level of talent doesn't – just because you have that one guy does not mean there's going to be – I mean, the Flyers had Giroux. And not that, like, Giroux at this age is you know, that level of superstar, but, like, they were still missing the playoffs with him. Yeah. I mean, you said it. The the Oilers. Like, McDavid is fucking next level. And <laughs> yes. Dreisaitl, not so bad either. And they still haven't been able to figure it out. So, like, it McDavid's can be like two. McDavid's like two points a game. It's like, I don't know, maybe we're going to compete for the division. <laughs> in like the, in a shitty Western Just, Conference, maybe we they, can make it out. They with start. The they in the start world. every. They start every game up one and a half to zero, <laughs> and it's like, well, we'll see. I think the Oilers are now a good enough team. They're starting that, yes. to figure it out. that they could win the cup. This is probably the first year I look at them and I say they could like. They could win it not just by McDavid going into God mode for two months. Like, they are a good enough team. They have enough solid depth. The goaltending situation scares me a little bit, but Skinner might be legit. Like, they have enough there, especially with a really smart trade for Ekholm, where you look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah they yeah, could do good. it. They could do it. And this year, there doesn't... Um, I mean, Boston had the year it had, but uh, there's not... A powerhouse, the I mean, way they're... Carolina's uh, down, or not Carolina, uh, Colorado's down 3-2 in their series to a team exactly. that wasn't a team to Colorado, Colorado last asshole. year, that looked like no one, it's maybe Tampa just because their experience and talent level, and then they get to this cup final, it's like, nope, not even Tampa. Like, Colorado last year, just from wire to wire, looked like that team. I can't say that there's one of those this year outside of maybe Boston. And well, I mean, I, look I what's going on to, with Boston. To, to they clear, lost last night. They're... To be clear, I'm not going to say maybe Boston. They do have the most points in NHL history. It's just that, like, I, <laughs> like they're, they're a juggernaut. Playoffs different, Charles. Look playoffs at, different. Look, not even, I just, they had an awesome fucking regular season. Don't want to take it away from them. I just... When you look at their roster on paper and compare it to last year's Avalanche, the three Eastern Conference champ, three in a row Eastern Conference champs, Tampa Bay Lightning, I don't see the same level of like that's a fucking All Star team that I get out of looking at last year's Avs or the last three years of uh, Tampa. That's all. 
Okay. Like, I, mean, I don't me, see the, that. To me, the biggest, this is probably a good segue to go into the NHL playoffs, but to yeah. me, the big concern I have with Boston is, and you're seeing it in this series, is just how much importance guys like Bergeron and Krejci have to that team, and they're old. And playoffs take a long time. And it's like, what are they going to have left come June? I mean, Bergeron's already missing games. Krejci's already banged up. Like, this is a concern because that was their main... Like, I I don't think people fully understand how much of an advantage it is when your 1C who's going to win the Selkie is $2.5 million on the cap, and then your 2C who is real good is $1 million on the cap. Like, that's how you can afford to have... Taylor Hall on your third line and Hampus line, Lindholm, yeah. like like you just can get these guys because you're paying your top two centers essentially nothing, and then you've got Pasternak on a six the, million dollar deal. The Bergeron thing is very very funny because it's a one year deal worth two and a half million, and then he got a two and a half million dollar bonus to play ten games. Yeah. So he will count two and a half million against the cap next year in all likelihood retired. It's just, it's a very funny situation. Uh, It just really makes you think, God damn it. The flyers are horrible at the cap. Uh, But (laughs) we, we know that already. Let's get into these, uh, these Stanley cup playoffs and let's lead off with them. uh, You know, president's trophy winning Boston Bruins. They are struggling to put away a Florida Panthers team. That is, not exactly the Florida Panthers of a year ago. Um, Alex Lyon was their hero for a little bit, like became became fun. folk hero down there. Now Sergey Bobrovsky is you know back on the case. Forty four saves <laughs> in an overtime case. win. Yeah, forty four yes. saves in an overtime win last night. The series is three games to two. Why can't Boston just put this fucking thing away? Is it simply because hashtag old? It's weird. I I mean, I expected, especially since, as you said, the Florida Panthers under Maurice are simply not nearly as good as they were before. I really expected Boston to, like, kind of run away with this one. Like, I thought maybe, yeah. like, 4-1 or, or something. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't I was, expect it to be a slog for them at all. I didn't think Boston was going to have the march to the like oh look how great they are i didn't think they were going to dominate the whole playoff Mm -mm. but i thought they were going to dominate the first round so did i yeah see i this series doesn't concern me maybe as much as and maybe i'll look like an idiot if they lose the next two and and get upset like that'd be real funny but i mean i watched most of that game last night the Bruins kicked the shit out of the Panthers in every way except the scoreboard. And if they win, they they outshot them like 42 to 20. Like, the Bruins were the better team. They dominated the final two periods of that game. Like, if they win that game, we're not talking about this. Then we're saying, oh, they won 4-1. That was easy. Like, yeah, they lost a game where Bobrovsky stood on his head. Goalies can do that. I still think Boston wins this series. To me, the bigger concern for Boston is less that, like, they're struggling against the Panthers, who, as you said, like the Panthers are a talented team. They're a talented team that isn't nearly as well coached as they were last year, but they have way more talent than the average club that would be playing against a team of Boston's caliber in the first round. So I never thought this is going to be like 
they were going to just roll over them like they suck because they don't. But the big concern for me with Boston is the fact that Patrice Bergeron just for, just finally got into a game. David Krejci has played two games in this series. Like, these are guys that need to be close to 100% for them to beat the Maple Leafs, for them to beat, like, the really good teams they're going to play later. And if those guys are shells of themselves going into those series, I don't know. Like, can... If, if it ends up being a Boston-Edmonton Cup final and it's 60% of Patrice Bergeron, I Patrice Bergeron is an amazing player. Can 60% Patrice Bergeron beat Connor McDavid? I don't think so. Mm. No, that's... I do not expect Boston to go to the Cup. Does anyone... like? Are you picking Boston to go to the Cup final, Charlie? I mean, I stuck with Carolina I can't remember because picks. they were my pick. And I, You're I'm, still on Carolina. I'm rolling. Okay. I'm, I'm rolling ride or die with the Canes. My aisles are hanging in there, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm not actually rooting for the Islanders. That's horrible. Like, they are not interesting at, in the least. <laughs> They're so They boring. are the least interesting. I hate them. Like, I I truly think I'd rather watch the Minnesota Wild than, I, than like, by far. Like I can't think of another team in these play. The Jets are more interesting because like <laughs> they all hate each other. At least that's something that's interesting. Um, Toronto and Tampa. We talked about a little bit earlier. I would like to see Toronto put this thing away. That said, really hoping Tampa wins Game Five. Just to one, extend the thing. More hockey is good, and two, just to see people start to lose their shit. Yeah, you know, look. It's going to be real difficult for the Lightning to come back. They're down 3-1. It feels like the Leafs should have at least exercised some demons over the last two games. That said, and this is the one thing that the Lightning can hang their hat on. Like, part the reason why this has been so unlikely is because the Lightning probably outplayed them in the last two games. Like, they choked game four away. They did, but like they had to be playing pretty damn well to take the 4-1 lead in the first place. It's not like the Lightning are getting dominated here. The no. Lightning probably have played better for more minutes in this series than the Leafs have. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that like it starts to come together for them because they've been the better team for the they considering the fact they're down 3-1, I think they've played more minutes where they've been the better team than the Leafs have. And that's Yeah, but know. not like an not like an overwhelming no, majority. No, but like minutes. it's been pretty even. But it wouldn't blow me away if they won the next two. Oh no, not at all. And also it would be hilariously funny. But I kind of feel like like the Leafs have to win this series because they have to get they have to go through Boston. Like that's the only way for them. Yeah. Yeah. To like exercise all of the demons. Like, and if they're able to get through Boston, I don't think anyone can stop them because then they'll just be so high on their own supply that it'll be like impossible to stop that bunch of like, cocky maniacs. Like, it'll be insane. I I do wonder, just with the way this this is shaping up, like tonight's game, and, and in in all honesty, I think they win tonight's game. I think they close this I out. I think so too. Because I just think they're they're rolling. However, if they lose game five <laughs> at home, oh, does boy. it all start creeping back in? That's the thing. And I do kind of think that this is in a way a must win for them because 
the entire organization is like fucked in the head, like yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. And if they do lose at home and like, God forbid, it's like game one was where it's like an absolute they get like, walloping. Yeah. Like they w- like the, the level of getting in their own heads is going to be like, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. It, I, I don't think that they can lose this series. Like it's real so hard to many lose three things, games in a row. Yeah, so many things would have to go wrong. And like, as far as I know, I don't think they have any injuries right now. Yeah, I mean, it's ba- it's it's basically just bunting, and he's not even hurt. He's suspended, and now they're not going to play him anyway. Yeah, now he's back. My favorite take on that though is like, there's actually nothing wrong with Michael Bunting. It's just that the referees <laughs> hate him, so they can't play him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 best argument, the most convincing argument I read on Twitter, because like I think Michael Bunting should play because he's better than guys they are playing. But the be, the most so. convincing argument I've read about why he shouldn't play is kind of like what you just said, but it's a little bit more nuanced. And it's that if Michael Bunting plays, the officials hate him so much that they mm-hmm. will hold it against the entirety of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they yes. were much kinder to the Maple Leafs. When Bunting was out, so we got to keep riding that. So, like, to, okay, so just to, <laughs> uh, as an aside, blaming refs for any wins or any losses is like loser shit. No one should That's ever loser. do it. It's loser. Yeah. That shit. said, yeah. that said, the the officiating in these playoffs has been oh, remarkably. Yeah, it's it's bad. been awful. It's I, been like, the you know, I just should be like. In the office in New York City, like, how the fuck did we let this happen? How do we fix this? It's an embarrassment. We're a professional sports league. Like, it's probably, I can't, maybe the worst I've ever seen it. Like, I don't know if that's just, like, me being hyperbolic because it's happening right now and I can't remember yesterday. But it seems like the worst officiating I've ever seen. It does seem really bad. But just looking around, like umpiring in Major League Baseball is a fucking joke. True. We all saw how the Super Bowl played out, whether you agreed or disagreed. I'll say there were a lot of... Referees have uh, referees have been determining a lot of fucking sports lately. You know, I don't think the... this is an NHL-only an NHL only problem. I really believe... like Now that we're in 4K, like we're even beyond HD, uh, sports were never meant to be viewed this clearly. You, like the foggy spectrum, and maybe they were offsides, maybe they weren't. No one has any idea. That's how sports were meant to be played. And now that we see everything yeah. perfectly, we realize like these guys are all shit. It's a also like point. there is a weird phenomenon lately that probably has something to do with our extremely fucked society that these guys want to be part of the show. Like I, oh, I get yeah. that vibe with baseball umpires. And there's certain NHL refs like Wes McCauley that want to be the star. Yeah, of the Wes show. McCauley's like, putting on a fucking dance routine out there. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's like these guys aren't like maybe we can't hire the kind of people that want to be s- stars. Like you're not playing the game, bud. Like you're not you're you're like window dressing. You're a piece of equipment. Like you're not supposed to be. I shouldn't like I shouldn't know who Wes McCauley is. Like, why is he so familiar to me? Why can't I see his face in my mind? Like, I shouldn't know this much about him. He's not important. He should just be calling the rule book, which, of course, in hockey they don't do anyway. But, like, it's just (laughs) remarkably bad. Like, the the whole game management thing seems to have gotten worse. It's just, like, 
it's really bad and it's the real problem is that i think it is like directly affecting the outcome of games this play these playoffs and it's like a real bad look for a league that already is not taken seriously by most people no there have been multiple games this postseason that i think you can honestly say were decided by the refs and that's that's not good especially because we're just in the first round real bad that's um just back to specifically toronto and tampa real quick no no i think because everyone like the officiating has been one of the big stories so far it's hard to talk about these playoffs without it coming up i don't think it's like that's the other thing we always talk about like why assign malice when incompetence i don't think there's like anything nefarious going on i think these guys are just genuinely generally bad at their jobs like that's and i and bill that's the I way do, to explain it i do think though there's something to be said about your argument that it's always been this bad it's just now we have more yeah. evidence because we can see the stuff there's and replays like, I just, the picture's better things like that i, I also think like the people who are officials like these are the best in in all sports like these are the best athletes in the world and we're asking senior citizens to keep keep up with them like i they're gonna miss some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. how well do your parents see? Because I'll tell you how well my parents see, <laughs> and that's like, it ain't great. You look at their phone, like th- this is the fucking font these people have to read with, and they're deciding like, did the stick get him or not? Like, I, come on. Um, but to Toronto, Tampa, real quick. Um, if Tampa wins Game Five, and you both said you expect Toronto to put this thing away. If Tampa wins game five, it's automatically going seven, right? Because it's, I'm not saying Tor- like Toronto just folds up. I think they could definitely win game seven. They're very talented. But if they lose game five, they are fucked in the head enough for one more. Like, yeah, so there's peak- there's no recovering from that no. in just 48 hours, I don't think. Peek behind the curtain. Bill had to get up for a second. Charlie and I kept talking about the Leafs, and we literally said those exact words that if they lose at home, Game five, the level of meltdown in the entire city is going to be such that it might just drag them all the way into losing in seven. Uh, Carolina over the Islanders, they're up three to two. I I want to rant. I want to rant a little bit about this. I watched most of game five. God, I fucking hate the Islanders. They are they are the most unwatchable goddamn team. Like I hate them. There, it was just I. I was so happy that I could flip that that Oilers Kings game on right after that one because I needed a cleanse after watching that team and their bullshit. Like it's the fucking playoffs. We're gonna muck it up. Like just go away. It's truly mucking it, it up is just what we want to see in the NHL it's, playoffs. It's like it's a real indict, and I don't like. Uh, it's not like I just want to see. Like, all-star game level, tick, tippy-tap, you know, tic-tac-toe shit. Like, I, I do want to see a level of intensity and physicality and all that. It is the playoffs. But it is an indictment of the sport that the Islanders are able to, like, stay in these games with teams that are considerably better than them. Like, <laughs> Well, they the are Hurricanes, just systematically know, taking out Hurricanes players left and right. So, it, you know. it's It's really... We talk all the time, like, oh, like... Well, you don't want refs deciding games. No, not doing shit is just as much deciding games Absolutely. as doing shit. And I, I just, 
I hate the idea of, well, what's he supposed to do? He's not. That's the whole point of being better. That's why you work hard to get better. So you can't like be easily defended by some. (laughs) Right. Like the idea. Caroline has got its own problems. Sorry. Go ahead. Like Caroline has got its own problems. Like since Fetchnikov got hurt, they don't score. Yeah. Yeah. And like Sorokin's a good goalie and everything. But like it's night and day. These two teams. I mean, at least it was until yeah. Carolina kept losing a bunch of dudes. Yeah, I just, I just want, I want the Islanders out of my life. I, I want them to, to not be alive anymore. Um, Compromise it, to a permanent <laughs> end. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so the next series, I guess, is Rangers Devils. That series, like, like that's going seven, right? <laughs> I mean, you remember, you know, everyone always the the old playoff cliche, like. Well, uh, a series doesn't really start till someone loses a home game. Nobody's won a home game yeah. yet. With, it's two-two. Both teams have swept their their uh, you know their two in a row on the road. What I thought the first two games, it was like, oh, Rangers are Rangers are the shit, and now suddenly, yeah, it's it's definitely going seven, right? Like, yes, got to. It just it, and this is it's very hockey cliche of me to believe this. But I do think this may have been what happened. I just got the sense that those first two games, like, the Devils weren't ready for, like, what playoff hockey playoff is. Playoff hockey. Yeah. And then once they figured it out, now the Rangers are like, oh, shit. Like, the Rangers really needed to take this team out. Like, they needed to win game three, that game that went into overtime. Because that was their chance. They had them on the ropes. They were up 2-0. Now the Devils are figuring this shit out. It took them a few games. But, like... Now they've got the hang of it, and that's real scary for the Rangers. Because I think the Devils are the more like, talented team here. That's the dynamic of the two teams. Like, Devils, young, up-and-coming squad. This is their first, really, foray into what may, like the beginning of their potential is now. Rangers, obviously, last year in the conference final, they add a bunch of vets with playoff run experience, Patrick Kane, Tarasenko, etc. That speaks to what Charlie just said. Like, Rangers had the advantage to start because they know what the playoffs are. Maybe Devils had to get their feet wet a little, and now they're in it. I thought this year was, like, especially after those first two games, okay, Devils, this is their learning experience year. Next year is when they really start to figure things out, maybe go on a little bit of a run. Um well, they've come back to tie the series. Yeah. Maybe it happens a little sooner. Maybe. Fuck the devils, man. I'll tell you, I am hashtag LGR in this series. I don't hate the Rangers simply because, like, why? They've never been that to me in my life. And the and the devils have been my nemesis. So I would really like to see the Rangers put this thing away. And they have not been the better team in the, you know, the last two games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, so going into this series, I did not do a bracket, but this series is one of the few I legitimately thought about, like, what would I pick if I was doing a bracket? I had in my head, I was thinking the Rangers in seven, and my justification in my head was, I think it gets to seven games, and then I think in game seven, Shesterkin stands on his head, and I still, mm. I still think that's going to happen. Like, I think if it gets to seven, I think the goalie advantage is really going to come out in the Rangers' favor, but, like... The Devils are doing... I thought it was over after they lost the first two at home, and props to them like for, for turning this thing back around. 
The Devils are uh, good. I mean, are it's good. annoying, but they really yeah, are. Yeah, it sucks. Good They're good. Yeah, it's a real pain in the ass. Um, let's go out west to the most surprising result this far. Jesus Christ. Seattle is up God. 3-2 on the defending champ Colorado Avalanche. Now, of course, the Avalanche are not exactly what they were last season. Started with, uh, you know, Nas Kadri going to Calgary. Kale McCarr's been suspended a game. Landis Cog's been out. Nachushkin's been in and out of the lineup. Like, they've, they've been paying the price for their deep run last year all season. Uh, they still had a successful regular season at the end of the day, but now they are, are on the brink of elimination to... Hack and crack, baby. Hack um, and crack. <laughs> fucking hack and crack. What the hack fuck? Is this for real? Like, are we doing... Yeah. No. Yeah. I, like, I refuse to believe this. It's wild. So I, I will say I did not watch no, that's pretty the next much series. any of the game last night because I ate a big dinner and was real tired and went to sleep at 11. Um, <laughs> oh, so, so you're King. entering your Kelly King. mode. Good yeah, for you. Right? So, so ad- admission there, <laughs> I am, I did, I watched very, very little. I watched maybe like 10 minutes of the game before I got tired and went upstairs to bed. That said, I do think that a lot of this is driven by the absences. I mean, you look at it. Gotta be. Obviously, they knew they weren't going to have Kadri. That was understood that he yeah. wasn't going to come back. But, they did think they were going to get Landis Cog back. He's out for the playoffs. Makar was suspended the game. I think that probably hurt them a lot last game. And then the Nishushkin thing, say. like you kind of glossed over that. Like he is out for personal reasons that no one is willing to talk about. I don't want to speculate on what they are. That said, like, like he's just gone. Like, he's yeah. a real, real good player who they were depending on and a he lot. Was and he's just huge gone. for them in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Like, he started, he played in the early part of the series, and now he's just gone. And he might yeah. just be gone. So, you know, they're going to get McCarr back, obviously. Stupid hit that he made. Like, I have no problem with the suspension, but they're getting him What'd back What do you think of the six. suspension? It's fine. I mean, it was it was a dirty hit. I, I, I think we've talked about this last week. Like, I don't have any, like... I don't have any sympathy for guys who get suspended for dirty hits. Like, was it too long? Like, should he have just gotten a fine? Maybe, but, like, don't make a dirty hit. That's, uh, I I have trouble with Dirty because he clearly didn't know where the puck was. However, ignorance is never an excuse. Like, you're not allowed to, like the old Dave Chappelle, I didn't know I couldn't do that. Like, (laughs) that doesn't... You still fucking did it. Like, you can't do what you did, bud. It doesn't matter if you didn't know where the puck was. Like, it's unfortunate. Maybe a suspension's a little harsh, uh, but you can't do that. Um, so, yeah, I didn't... I thought it was borderline, like, probably just deserved a fine, but also you hurt the guy. Like, they, well, it, so it's it's unfair, but life's unfair. The real problem with it, and I'm not going to get into it again, is the officiate, the inconsistency. Like, yes. that's not the worst hit we've seen in these playoffs. <laughs> no. And some of the worst ones have not even been, like, been barely penalized. Well, it wasn't... Why did I say that? We were wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they... They reversed it on the ice to a minor, yes. and yes. then they suspended him. Like, something's yeah. Yeah. wrong here. If it was like, worthy what, as... What, what are we doing? If it was worthy of a suspension, why did you decrease it to a minor? Like what? What? What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, because yeah, and that's it's bonkers. Does, do you think Colorado comes back, or are they just fucking too beat up? I, I they think might be they, gassed, man. They might be. 
I probably if I if I bet on hockey, I would probably put like some a good a decent not like an incredible amount of money, but put some money on them to win in seven because they are the better team. They will be getting McCarr back. They have the types of players still in you know McCarr, McKinnon, Rantanen who can do what they did. What was it, game three where they just like showed up in the third period and were just kind of like fuck this. We're better than you. Yeah. We're going to take over. Like, they can do that for two games pretty easily. That's true. I really, granted, like, the idea that they might be gassed, I think, more than anything, really shines a light on how impressive Tampa Bay's run to three straight cups has been. Like, granted, they did it. Like, the one season was a 70-game season, and then there was the bubble with some time off. There was a 56-game season in there. Uh, but... Just to play that amount of hockey and have something left in the tank is fucking insane. Like, Colorado's still awesome. They're not what they were last year, but they're still awesome. And that this could happen to them after the year they just had is it's wild. Speaking of the wild. I love that. Love that. He's a professional, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I thought Dallas was considerably better than Minnesota, and they're starting to pull away. They're up 3-2 in this series, but it has been close. Like, it has been a competitive... Yeah, yeah it has. I-, I did not think... I thought the difference between this these two teams was greater. I'm just going to tell you now, I've watched approximately seven minutes of this series, so I'm just going to tap out of this conversation. It hasn't been a bad series. Bad. It's it's had its moments, uh, you know. I just don't care about either of these teams, to be quite honest with you. It I seems, like Dallas a lot. Minnesota, yeah, I, like I don't too. give a shit about. Yeah. Dallas has good players that, like, when someone mentions Jason Robertson to me, I'm like, oh yeah, he's pretty fucking good. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know. I'm never gonna make an effort to watch a Stars game. Yeah, see, I like the Stars. I think they have they they have three really really good players in um in Robertson, Haskinen, and and Ottinger. Um, it seems like though that the big problem here for Minnesota is that like their special teams just fucking suck. Like they can't, they can't keep teams. They they can't stop Dallas's power play. Like they can't score. They've got, it's not like they're playing bad. They just can't score. I, I, I enjoy Dallas because they are, um, like alternate universe flyers, just the 2017 draft, you know, yeah. Heiskanen and Nolan Patrick, Ottinger's one pick ahead of Morgan Frost, and then uh, Robertson after we trade up for fucking Isaac Ratcliffe. Like, it's it's a very funny reversal. That's like, fair. in an alternate universe, the flyers could be, you know, the two seed. Uh, but. Yeah. <laughs> not not the case apparently. But yeah, like, I mean you've uh, got you've got Kaprizov has one goal in 5 games. Yeah. And and the thing is like how are they only down 3-2 with the best player on their team doing nothing? That see that's like to me if this was going to be a close series, Kaprizov would have to go off and it's been the opposite of that yeah. and they're still in it. I, I I'm just hoping Dallas puts this thing away and we can move on or move on, hopefully to a uh, Dallas Colorado series. But you know, we'll probably get Minnesota and Seattle because the <laughs> NHL hates us. So. Uh, Vegas and the Jets, Vegas and the Jets. Um, God, <laughs> how are the Jets even in the playoffs? 
Like how the oh fucking God. West is terrible. Yeah, it's West so does. bad. It's West so does. bad. The West is a joke. The Flyers would probably make the fucking playoffs in the West. Yeah, I mean, like with half the West <laughs> tanked. Like getting the second wild card in the West means you weren't banned. Like you forgot how to tank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad. Like this is one of those series where. I don't even particularly care for Vegas that much, but I just want Vegas to win just so I don't have to think about the Jets for, you know, the rest of the Yes, summer. absolutely. Like, just get rid with of the Stone team. Back, with Stoneback, I do like Vegas a little more, even yeah. though I'm just kind of yeah, anti-Vegas altogether. I'm a big fan. He's good. But they just don't... If they had goaltending, they could win the cup. They're just not, like, you know, man, they had a goalie. Yeah. They did. And Look, finally, Vegas Edmonton should be a good series, assuming Edmonton takes care of business. Edmonton's up three two on the Kings. Kings have been feisty. Kings, you know, have been using a little bit of that experience, but ultimately, like Edmonton is the considerably better team. I mean, yeah, fucking Connor McDavid. I mean, like, and he hasn't even really been the story yet. And like, I I know that the Kings are better than they are in my head where I've painted a picture of them that was probably constructed like two and a half years ago. But I really did not expect this series to be like anything near this close. Like I didn't, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't have said that Edmonton was going to sweep it because that's crazy, but I kind of thought that it would have been like an easy first round win for them. And it definitely hasn't been. Yeah, the Kings are uh, just looking at all third, these third good team. Looking third at all these team. series, just looking at all these series. Um, has any team seriously impressed you to this point? Like you watch them and go, "Oh shit!" Yeah, not like really. they, they're the ones who are like standing. No. This has been a very even playoff so far, which makes it more fun, if you ask me. Yeah. You really oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think Boston still. I mean, despite the fact that they're only up three two, I think they've been the best team. But they should be considering how many fucking wins they had. Like they should look like the <laughs> best team. Yeah, they won sixty five games. Like yeah. you, and that's the like that team for them to impress me. And like everyone's graded on their own scale. Like for them to impress me, they'd win in four. Yeah, you know, exactly, like you'd exactly. ha- you then go and continue taking care of business as you have all season. The fact that it's going at least six is like, all right, well, how good are you then? But yeah, they probably by default, but no one has really stood out. I guess Seattle, just because they're doing something nobody thought they could do. Yeah, but nobody thinks that Seattle's going to win the cup. You know no, what I mean? Yes. I, I think what yes. you're more asking is, are there teams that have stood out where you're like, they are the stone cold favorite. And I don't yeah. think there has been a team that you watch and you just look at and you say, man, they are an unbeatable juggernaut. No one has looked that good so far, which is cool because it means that the second round could, because like the thing with the NHL playoffs. And I was thinking about this a couple of days ago because I think like a Charles Barkley thing popped up because Charles Barkley is famously a big hockey fan. And he had this comment <laughs> that, that like, of course, somebody who's like a, you know, please like my sport person on Twitter, like screenshot. And it was like Charles Barkley saying the, the NBA playoffs are boring. I'm going to watch hockey. And the thing is, is like this happens every year because the hockey playoffs are structured so that the first round is the best. 
and then they get progressively less interesting as it goes. Whereas the NBA playoffs are structured where the first round is the worst, and then they get progressively more interesting as it goes. And it would be cool if this year in in the hockey playoffs, it could stay interesting, where it's not like a coronation of the team we all know is going to win. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. (laughs) Man, I just, I can't wait for Toronto Tampa. Like this is, I am genuinely looking forward to this. The second round is, is honestly, aside from the possibility of like us getting a Seattle, Minnesota game or series, like it's shaping up to be real good. Because right it's now be you're, good. you're looking at it, you're looking at right now. If if the series things hold, Boston Toronto that would be fucking which awesome. is perfect. That would be awesome. I mean, they got to exercise their demons again. They have to, which would be amazing. Then yes. you've got Carolina versus one of the Devils or Rangers. I don't care who wins that series. The the Devils Rangers series, like that would be fun. That'll be a fun series. And then Edmonton Vegas, great series. So, like, we're potentially looking at three out of the four series being real good, and then maybe Colorado comes back and we get Colorado-Dallas, and that series would be real good. If Florida comes back to win, they're, they're, they're going to the Eastern Conference Final. I think, I think Toronto will be so jazzed up <laughs> that they for don't have to face the, Bruins. the Bruins that if it's not the Bruins, they're going to, like, go, what the fuck? <laughs> uh I, I, i'm i'm really pulling for you here toronto i am uh just i will be done after this while i'm rooting for the rangers over the devils devils hurricanes is the oh. better possible matchup right the, more fun possible matchup potentially like if those two teams were both 100 percent, it would be an insane amount of fun i just don't i don't know what's gonna happen with the canes yeah. <laughs> Fucking Islanders, man. I know. Fucking Islanders. Fucking Islanders. All right. Uh, do we got anything else? Anything anyone wanted to talk about? Something coming up that we need to discuss? Or are we done? Yeah, we had a long I show. Know. I think we're good. It was a long show, yeah. All right. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know what to do. Got to hit that subscribe button, follow button, whatever the hell it is. Uh, Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever their podcasts and check out the brand new BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm told it's really good. Uh, Sign up for that newsletter. Maybe sign up for the Andrew McDonald tier. Uh, Get some premium content going. All right, that's it for me. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie... Have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score hockey goals? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! Turn the shit up, you motherfucker! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! Yeah.
What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balky and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.